Hello, all you beautiful people, and welcome to The Glorious and the Mundane. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope this finds you savoring your last bits of lazy summer days. I don't know about where you live, but Tennessee has literally been a sauna. Our windows are constantly fogged up. My little girl, her glasses fog up every time we go outside, and she is just looking at me like, what is happening? And there has literally been no use for any kind of hairstyling tools for me. I would absolutely burn my hair completely off trying to get it to do anything but just ringlets, basically. Ringlets for days. But one thing that has kept our summer interesting is that we are making a Christmas record. This is a big week for me and my husband and our little team. If you haven't heard yet, we have started a new music campaign to fund my first ever Christmas record. I don't think I could be any more giddy than I am about it. It is something that I've wanted to do for more than 15 years now, and we've decided to go for it this year. I remember sitting with my friend Lauren Chandler a few months ago when she was in town, and I was giving her a list of projects that I've been dreaming up, and at the end of the list was a Christmas record. And she looked at me and said, those all sound amazing, but you have to start with a Christmas record. So Lauren, this is all your fault. (laughs) Nathan and I have loved Christmas music all of our lives. In fact, we got married in June of 1995, but we're not ashamed to include Christmas songs in our ceremony. I think we used two instrumentals from Amy Grant's second Christmas album, and then All Is Well by Michael Louis Smith, which is such a gorgeous song. But it has been a dream writing for this record, and honestly, I cannot wait to tell you the stories behind some of the songs. And what I've loved about making a Christmas record is that you can get away with a little more instrumentation and having what I call some lush moments because it just kind of calls for that. I've been writing since January, so basically it has been an entire year of Christmas for me. I started Ann Voskamp's The Greatest Gift as my beginning of the year study, and it was pretty amazing actually to finish up Christmas and move right into Advent again. And I realized, of course, just how busy, even when I tell myself a thousand times that I'm not going to get caught up in it all and overdo it. I'm just often so busy during the Christmas season that I miss so much about the element of Advent, the waiting, the anticipation, making room in your heart. One word that I've used a lot lately as I mentor worship leader women is the word angst. I was telling one of them after I watched her lead, you sound amazing, it's so polished, it's beautiful, but I challenged her with the word angst. I looked up the word angst in the dictionary and I thought to myself, maybe I've been using this word out of context because the definition there just says it means anxiety. And of course, that's not what I mean by angst. So I'm going to climb out on a limb here to quote the Urban Dictionary because this puts words around what I'm trying to say. It says angst, often confused with anxiety, is a transcendent emotion in that it combines the unbearable anguish of life with the hope of overcoming this seemingly impossible situation. Without the important element of hope, then the emotion is anxiety, not angst. Angst is a sign of the constant struggle one has with the burdens of life that weighs on the dispossessed and not knowing when the salvation will appear. To me, this is Advent. It's pausing to remember that before Christ, we were the dispossessed, displaced, rootless, alienated, not knowing when our salvation would appear. Yet through darkness and silence, we have the hope of a Savior. 
Advent sits in that place of anguish painted with hope. My family and I were actually in Orlando that terrible week in June where there were three tragedies in a row all in the same city. We had already purchased theme park tickets, so it was very strange walking into Disney. As a parent, you know, we had safety on our minds, but also such a sick feeling in our gut about our world. The parks were slammed with people, droves of people, in fact, and I kept thinking to myself, what is it about humanity that we show up in droves to amusement parks? Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not judging. Obviously, we were there, thrill-seeking, just like the next guy, but... I remember looking up at the castle at one point, and it just seemed so tiny. And then I started thinking about how all of my surroundings could be traced back to a very real story, our story, not a fairy tale, but a real-life story of good versus evil, but one with a kingdom that never ends, where there's a king of kings who loves his people with a love that endures forever. I walked around that day with such angst in my soul And a dose of anxiety, too, I'm not going to lie, but I also held this hope in my heart. I started thinking of my Christmas record, and I started praying as I walked around. Even at its earliest inception, this record, I I just prayed that Jesus would anoint it to tell the age-old story once again of the hope we have in Jesus and how it's the greatest redemption story of all time. Something that has recently changed for me is that I am, for the first time since 1997, an independent artist again. A few years ago, I felt like the Lord was calling me to go out on my own and take some risks on some projects that have been in my heart for a really long time. My husband, Nathan, he produces all my albums, and when he produces for me, we've discovered that he becomes just as much the artist as me because these songs are as close to his heart as they are mine since we co-write and work so closely together. And working together obviously has its challenges. I mean, you know, just imagine you going to the office with your husband every day, and there you have it. But it also carries this thing that When you fight for it, it can be really good and so life-giving to get to dream up stuff together. It's a scary thing as an artist to go independent if you've had the luxury of having a label. I've had the privilege of being an artist on two very successful record labels, and I will never take for granted the start that Rockettown Records gave Nathan and I years ago as Watermark, and then that Six Steps Records would sign me and truly allow me to continue to be a mom these past several years and work at the pace that I needed to, and they would let me travel globally when I could with their artists and with passion conferences. I'm so truly grateful for all of that, and it's no small thing to have gotten to be a part of those families of people. I finished my record deal with the release of my record called Let It Be Jesus, and we decided then to take the plunge into making decisions on our own and lead a team of people who have meant the world to us and have helped us make the launch of this dream a reality. Matt Geis, my manager, I just have to give him another shout-out. He's been working so hard with such heart on so many things, along with our web designer, Caleb Weeks. For literally months, they've been working to get this thing off the ground, and I'm just so humbled beyond belief over their friendship and helping us get this off the ground. And then I think about friends Shannon Scott and Kristen Bohannon who've sat and dreamed up this stuff with me for literally the past few years, both of them sending texts to me this week just saying 
how much they teared up over watching the video about the Christmas campaign, the Christmas album, and just watching these moments in our lives as friends come into fruition is just such a sweet thing. Anyway, you can learn more about the new music campaign on my website, christyknuckles.com forward slash Christmas. And you can actually help us make this record. It's a pretty vulnerable thing to basically say to all of you, will you be my record label? (laughs) And trust me, I have labored over that thought many a night. But I know that God knows our cause in all of this. He knows our hearts, and we've released it to Him, palms up. But I hope it's just fun for you to come along the journey with us. You can pre-order the record on the site, plus all these other fun Christmassy items that you can kind of do your Christmas shopping early. I figure if Hallmark can play Christmas movies in July, then we can sell a Christmas record too. So I hope you just have fun looking at the site and that you'll come along with us on this journey. I hope you enjoyed last week's podcast with Jamie Ivey and also just hearing a little bit more behind living from the bullseye in that place of deep trust in God for the things that we can't make happen, but only He can in His time. It's such a place of surrender, and we don't have a choice but to just do what's right in front of us and trust God for the things that are in our hearts. And I shared how when we really live from that place of trust, we start to understand that there are things prepared in advance for us to walk in which is from Ephesians 2.10. So those outer rings, if you get that target sign in your mind again, they begin to happen naturally as we live from that place of complete rest and trust in God today for everything. It's a place of faith, really, more than anything. Faith to believe that He is who He says He is and that you are who He says you are because of it. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So we can emerge every day with this bullseye mentality or heart posture where faith is central in everything that we do. I know that I know that you are where you are today and maybe commuting from a job or school or you're folding laundry, you're in a season of waiting, you're doing what's right in front of you, and you just need to hear that God really does exist and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him today. And I also know that you probably need to hear, just like I do, that the kingdom of God is upside down from this earth. So what is seemingly small to us is actually really big in the eyes of God. And what's big to us is actually really small to Him. Sometimes we can be so on the lookout for the big stuff that we actually miss something huge right in front of us just because it may look different than we imagined. I have a sweet friend. Her name is Emily Weeks. In fact, she's the wife of Caleb Weeks, who I mentioned earlier as the web designer who's helped us make so much of this possible. And I met Emily about 10 years ago. Emily grew up in California, and she would tell you that she felt a call in her life as early as in her teens to know what it means to be a true worshiper of Jesus and to lead worship. And she would tell you that in her mind, she imagined it a lot like how I've led worship over the last few decades, in front of large crowds, on big stages, all over the world. However, as we all know, you just never know where life is going to take you. Emily and Caleb married at a young age and now have two young daughters. And over the years, Emily and Caleb have served the body of Christ so faithfully, and one of those ways is leading worship at a few local churches around them, mainly helping some friends who've planted churches along the way. Another sweet way that they've served the church is that they have been with several teams to the Sudan, a country in northeastern Africa, several times over the last decade or so. And here's the thing. I know the dreams 
in Emily's heart because she's been transparent enough through the years to share them with me. Through a lump in her throat, usually tears filling her eyes, she's been honest with me about her cause and what she truly feels like God put in her so long ago. What I love so much is how I see Emily so faithfully and creatively mothering the very best she can in these days. I also see in Emily that she has a deep understanding more than ever that God has her cause and that He has something for her. He's certainly not going to withhold it from her, but He most definitely will unfold it in His perfect timing. Anyway, I thought I'd read a letter from Emily before we get to our special guest. I just found it recently. It was stashed in a keepsake folder in my laptop. Emily wrote this to me a few years ago after one of their trips to the Sudan. I think it completely encapsulates the idea of the kingdom of God being upside down and the fact that there are good works prepared in advance for us to walk in. Keep in mind that idea that maybe the big things today are actually really small, and the seemingly small are actually really big. It's such a sweet thing to keep at the forefront of our minds in hopes that we don't miss the things that are actually big in the eyes of God. I believe that the big things, of course, are the things that He's prepared in advance for us to walk in. I think sometimes we can yes ourselves into exhaustion, and we might miss the beauty of the things prepared in advance. We might not experience the fullness of those moments and even the fruit of those moments because we're trying so hard to make it look like how we think it should look. So this letter's from Emily. I'm going to drop right in the middle of the letter where she's talking about being in this you know, training experience of training the women over in the Sudan with a group of American women, and just a sweet, unexpected moment she experienced under the African sun. She says, One of the moments that I will never forget happened when I was helping out with the women's trainings one afternoon. Over the last few years, I've been learning some songs in the Dinka language, which they really enjoy, partly because they're happy that I'm interested in their culture, and partly because it sounds funny. The Dinka language has sounds that have never been known to the English-speaking throat. Throw in a short blonde, and you have entertainment for hours. Well, one afternoon, there was a window of time in the women's session as we were waiting for Michelle, our team leader, to return from the session she was doing in another place. The translators said, Emily, the women want you to lead them in some of the Dinka songs. For a moment, I got into an American mindset, and I was thinking things like, oh, no, I've been singing the same five songs over and over as I've walked around the village all week. Surely they must be tired of them. And then I remembered that I was in Sudan. I put the set list freak out aside, started singing one of the songs, which I realized was a call and response song after I started singing it, this means that I was singing in garbled dinka all by myself until they would then respond. I was feeling silly and sheepish and almost kind of giggly as I did my best to sing confidently in a tribal language. Honestly, I felt pretty awkward. Then out of nowhere, it hit me. And then it was everything I could do to not start crying my eyes out. You see, one of my most treasured verses is, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Psalm 67, 4. This verse has been set in the deepest part of my heart, and I've known for years that I'm called to be a part of this, but had placed it in the future as something that would happen someday. When I envisioned it, I think I imagined it would always look like the way that we lead worship in America and Western parts of the world. But it hit me right in that moment that I was doing it right then and there. Under the shade of the tree, I realized it's happening now. Be here for it. 
There was nothing glamorous or cool about it. It was garbled dinka, but the women were worshiping. The women were dancing and singing with all of their hearts, and I, because of God's grace, got to be a part of it. As if to put a stamp on the package that had been delivered to me that day, I stepped back and soaked it in as the women danced in a circle, lifting their hands and voices under the African sun. I glanced down beside me at a little boy named Peter, who was in the tattered shorts and t-shirt that I had come to know him by over the few days that we had been there. I will never forget the warm lighting on his face and the sound of his voice quietly singing the song. But mostly, I will never forget the way that his dirty little feet danced up and down to the rhythm of God's praise. As his feet hit the earth, dust rising and falling, and as the sun shone on his face, these words came into my mind and heart. Emily, this is what I require of you. This is the purity of heart that I have called you to in worship. And so it was that one unexpected afternoon, I was stamped with an image and a calling that I will never forget. There was nothing glamorous about it, but it was God's praise being lifted high in the nations, and I got to be there for it. I texted Emily earlier this week to ask her permission to read that letter, and she was a little bit surprised that I still had it, but I've kept it because I think it's just a sweet reminder of what God has for us when we're caught in that place of just serving from our heart and doing what's right in front of us. I think He really does love to show up and surprise us like that. And I love how He spoke to Emily and said, This is what I require of you. I think we require too much of ourselves sometimes. And the Lord is saying, look, it's this simple. It's childlike. It's about enjoying me. Well, today you're going to get to hear from my friend Jenny Allen. You'll hear how Jenny called me out of the blue one day. She had gotten my phone number from a friend, and this was several months before the first IF gathering. And she was very bold with me that day. She kind of grilled me, actually. But God used it so powerfully, uh, even though many years ago, God got a hold of my heart about all of this stuff that I've been sharing with you the past several weeks. It doesn't mean that I don't forget and even forsake sometimes living from that bullseye. And when we're not really fully trusting God for who He is and for who we are, there's a danger to just get stuck in those outer rings. I think one thing that can happen is just we're stuck out there striving and not living from this place of rest. But another thing that can happen is that we choose to numb, just kind of let ourselves check out. And I think we as women are pretty good at that sometimes. I know I am. And I was kind of in that place when Jenny called me that day. So God used her so powerfully I tell people that it was kind of like a defibrillator on my heart and kind of jolted me awake to some areas of my heart that I had just kind of checked out and let become stagnant. And that's what friends are for, right? It's what old friends are for, and in this case, brand new friends. It reminds me of the scene in P.S. I Love You where Hilary Swank's character Holly, she'd been grieving the death of her husband for weeks and weeks to the point of not showering for days on end, and her sister and her best friends finally just have to bust in and go after her. And they find her in her trash-filled apartment in her pajamas, singing show tunes really loud, 
and refer to her as the good Mrs. Haversham of the Lower East Side. Sometimes we've just got to bust in on each other's world in the best way and throw up in the drapes and get out and get some fresh air. That's what Jenny did for me that day. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I'm so excited to be sitting with Jenny Allen today. What a treat in your hometown. Yeah. At your table today. Yeah, if offices, it's really fun to have you here. So good. How have you been? Well, I will say the last month or so, actually really well. Good. (laughs) Not that that should surprise me, but I think we've We've gone through a lot in the last few years, but specifically um, the last year with my sister mm. and family stuff mm. that has just rocked us. And mm. um, and it was just dark, hard months there for a while. Mm. So it's so fun. I've been reading a lot about um, water in the Bible mm. and and Jesus, you know, that whole passage of in Psalms that's so familiar that he leads us beside still water. Mm. And it felt like the water was anything but still in the last year. It was just, yeah. you know, rapids almost. Uh-huh. And and we feel the still water coming back mm-hmm. in our lives and in our family's life. And I just think how good he is that mm. that when, you know, when you think there's something that cannot end, you know, a storm or waves mm. that feel like this is just going to go on and on, I can't really see how this could ever be okay again. Mm. Um, he still can calm souls, if not the circumstances. (laughs) I know he could calm the circumstances, but even if those don't calm, I've felt like, at least in my soul right now, um, yeah, there's a lot of peace. And That's awesome. Yeah. I love that you just went there because sometimes when you say, like, how are you doing? People are like, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. I love that you just (laughs) went there. I love that. Um, Well, I love that about you. And I thought... We would just kind of talk a little bit about kind of how I met you over the phone. Um, And that really, that was life-changing. And it's just sweet even just to be looking you in the eyes Mm -hmm. and being here at If Gathering Offices in in Texas and um, how God just connects us to people and at the Mm -hmm. right time in our story. And um, I just love it. I have chills right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love it so much. And and so I'll just go back to that day of, um, I remember, so we, we have a mutual friend, Janet Reeves, um, who's here in Austin. Okay. And I remember her texting me just saying like, this lady named Jenny might call you. She wrote a book. Um, <laughs> you might have read it. And um, she's like, just saying like, I talked to her and I think you should talk to her. Like, I think something's going on with her. And so I remember, I think, I can't remember how we connected initially or like, if, but I think I remember being on my home phone um, standing on my front porch in Alpharetta at the time. Um, what year would that have been? Because this was before the first if. Yeah, it was probably three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and I was standing there just kind of going, first of all, I hadn't read your book. I didn't. Right. <laughs> you like, were. Who is this crazy person tracking me down? <laughs> but, it, you know, again, like just how God knows our stories and just how he connects us with, with people at just the right moment, because I was on the verge of, of an awakening in my own life and in my own heart, um, had been serving, um, Passion City Church and Passion Conferences for 
years and I'm so grateful for that role to have been leading and to, to have led worship and um, these conferences and things and um, which is how you would have even really known about me to begin with and so but it was I knew that God was calling me to use my voice in a different way and I think today's even a part of that which is really sweet but um, but you know I I I woke up every day and we lived in Alpharetta and we were, we'd gone there to help plant the church and life was good. But it was that thing where I literally didn't know that I wasn't awakened to some things, you know? And so I kind of think back on that day, like when people put paddles on the, mm. your heart, like a defibrillator mm. to the heart, because that's the, the crazy thing is I didn't know I wasn't awake to some things. And, um, I think some of the specific things that day were um, just just an awakening. I'd had it all these years, but almost like a new, um, a heightened sense of urgency to raise up women worship leaders. And um, so that day, you were like, I remember when that's who you are. You push through walls. You you you're that's I, I love that about you. Is you're like okay this. Is probably impossible, but <laughs> we're gonna do this, and you can do this, and um, and here's why we're doing it, and I love that about you, mm-hmm. um, and I've learned that about you since. But at the time, this lady on the other end of the phone is going <laughs> like, "So what are you doing right now to raise up women worship leaders?" <laughs> I'm so subtle. <laughs> oh, I mean, I know what that boldness is apart from God. I mean, I'm not that bold. It's the funny thing. It's when there's a fire in me that I think God's put there. And, and Christy, I mean, I think that when I, when we met, you know, I, I didn't know that you were at this kind of crossroads in your life, but all I saw was what God's vision in me for you was. It was, I didn't know you well enough to be that, you know, stupid, crazy to say those things, but, but God was, I think, knitting us. And I think he was doing something in all of us. I mean, I think we all, to some degree, I mean, it's only been three years. That's wild to think that if didn't exist, you know, four years ago and, and how fast it's grown, but yet how I think more than anything as peers and friends, we've all grown up with it. I mean, in so many ways we've changed and recognized that we can lead and that not just we can lead, but that if God's called us to something, we're, we're disobedient to not step into it. Mm. And so it's been so terrifying, which I think was part of the bonding experience of it all, was <laughs> we all were just so scared and, and unsure, and yet doing it anyway. And I think part of that, that boldness came from having each other and feeling mm. like, you know what? You aren't the only one struggling to step into the things God has called you to. I am too, and so is everybody else that I'm talking to. It just, it was this common um, fear, but also this common courage that we were moving through those fears and and hoping for more. And realizing too that we were getting to the ages where, you know, we were the grownups, you know? That's right. We were the people that, that, we needed to lead and, and not just because there isn't other leadership out there, Mm. but because God had given us things to say and given us Mm. things to write and things to do that, that we would have, yeah, we would have missed so much if we hadn't kind of stepped into that. 
Yeah. But then you come to the first if, and in every way it was a stretch. I mean, never in the beginning did did our friendship represent comfort. I mean, that's the truth. The whole thing was hard. I mean, that first if was hard for all of us, I think, in different ways and stretched us. Yeah. It was was one of the first times that I had um, just stepped in with someone. I led that year with Aaron Ivy and his band, and it was just Stepping into, I had never even met them. We literally met that day, and then we led together. I feel the mean. No, <laughs> but you know how good that was. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like the stretching and the, like I know this is so out of your comfort zone. Thank you for yeah. doing this. Yeah. Um, good luck. Yeah. I love you. Um, it was like that, but I mean, how how good is that? You know, mm-hmm. just to to kind of be. We weren't thrown into it because the Holy Spirit had already mapped it out, but. Um, but it's just so good and stretching to like, um, do something outside of my own comfort zone. And, and, and I think that's, what's been what I've seen just from the outside looking in, even if, uh, as a whole, it's just, um, let's try to accomplish the things either that have not been done yet, or we all have this heart for these things to come together. Mm-hmm. Um, things like diversity and different parts of the church and just all of that looking like um, at least we're walking in this together, like faithfully and stewarding that well. And um, so it was just neat to like kind of be thrown into it. I remember hugging you that first day and literally felt you shaking. Oh, yeah. yeah. I shaked. <laughs> I shook. I shook. For a long time. <laughs> That's a scary. That's scary. Because, I mean, I, I had, again, it was, I had in boldness. Mm done and said and, mm-hmm. and led the things that I believe God had asked me to lead. But there was no evidence until mm-hmm. after that first two days of mm-hmm. if in 2014 that yeah. that this was God. You know, it, yeah. it, we didn't know if, if we had just brought all these people together for good reason or not. And, and so I did feel, in fact, right now, I mean, literally this morning, I sent in some final edits on a book I'm working on. And Zach actually named it because I couldn't name it. I mean, I wrote what I knew I had to say really quickly. In fact, it was like Mm -hmm. a three week book. I just unloaded all of it. And at the end of it, um, we couldn't find a title. And and that was unusual for me. Usually I start with the title or I know it's just really clear. And Zach, I mean, it was in, we had to have a title and Zach looked at me and he said, you know, Jenny, the thing you lived those three years was you learned that you have nothing to prove, Mm. but that is, yeah. That is what you learned, and you found freedom. And I think that shaking that first year especially was fear that I, that I had to measure up to what I had said God could do or what we all hoped He would do, as if it was on my shoulders. And right. I yeah. couldn't—people could look at me and say to me, Jenny, you don't have to carry this. You certainly don't have to carry it alone. But I, I couldn't internalize that. I couldn't— come to that place. I think so many times we can believe something about God, but until we have stepped off the cliff and had mm. to fully trust Him and have His hands kind of carry us yeah. to um, to safety, I feel like that was when I realized, okay, this really is you. Like, you are this powerful. Mm. You, you cause stars to align and people's souls to align and mm. and— Miracles. I mean, there have been more miracles than I could ever count or retell leading this thing. And so at some point, you know, you realize, oh, I can rest because 
one, obviously this isn't about me. That never was the storyline, but I, I did feel responsible somehow in it. And I think I found peace that, Mm. that I'm not even responsible. Like I I need to be faithful because I want to be faithful because he's so good, but I get to be on this ride that Mm. he already knows the ending. He already knows the story and that's felt peaceful. Yeah. I feel like that's the freedom that mm-hmm. I found. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. And I think about in my own life, just, um, and I think that's really, that's what the theme of this whole podcast is, is that the glory is in the mundane, but, but what that really looks like is trusting him with the huge things. And like on a real practical level, like you've literally walked mm-hmm. and, um, where you literally, it's that place of trust is is that place of rest. Where you're like, that place of faith is, I'm trusting you with this. Um, and it's like, just like it was credited to Abraham, you know, in his, his faith and hoping against hope and believing. And that place of faith is when he comes through. And, and I think there's, there's such a, I don't know, sometimes a misconception of something that has the magnitude now that if has and just the influence and how God has just used it like that it's and um, it's not in as much in the hard work and on our end as it is that place of faith mm-hmm. and that place of rest and um so as you've been trusting him with this huge vision along the way what are some ways that you have seen him in the small and just the value of things that may to the world seem small, but but we realize in the kingdom of God, those are actually the huge things to him, you know? So how have you kind of seen some of that play out in the trusting him with the big, but then seeing him also in the small? When I read your vision for this podcast, I was so moved because I have seen that. I have, I really, to my bones, believe that we have it all backwards, that, mm. that the big things are the little things. Mm. I, I used to probably say that I believed that because mm. I think it's the right answer and it's easy to, um, to think, you know, well, yeah, of course he cares about the little things and the little moments. And, but, but when I've tasted the bigger moments, you realize those are really shifting sand. They mm. really are the definition of a, a moving um, foundation. You can't build a house on that. You can't find a home on, you know, numbers or platform or influence mm-hmm. or success. That that is just always going to shift. And when you realize that, you you go, okay, well, where do I want to make my home? You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to make my home here. I want to make my home somewhere that is solid. And the solid for me has been all of the old simple things. It has been my local church Mm. where, you know, nobody knows who I am or cares. Like they're just, you know, I go in and I serve their kids in in preschool and I'm Mm. Zach's wife and I'm, I'm my kid's mom. And, and that's just a good grounding feeling, um, in my local church. And then, and then our community, our, our, my small group of friends, you know, they joke all the time that they've never read my books. You know, they they, I mean, they love me, but they're like, we, we just don't care what you do. They've known me forever. It's just safe and, and easy. Um, I think about my family and Zach and I and our marriage and, and how um, when we come home at the end of the day, you know, we don't usually talk about the cool things we get to be a part of during the day. We usually are talking about concerns with our 
you know, newly 16 year old driver and how are we going to handle his girlfriend that he's in love with right now? And, and, and what are those rules going to be? I mean, it just, you realize that the big things are not even really part of your daily life. They, they are not, if you make them a focus, I can't even imagine what my brain I, it, maybe it would get an ego. I don't know. It'd probably be wonderful um, to focus on success or, you know, at this moment. But, but gosh, I mean, how, how sad to build an identity on something that, that moves so quickly and easily. Yeah. And so what I've found is a lot of comfort in home and church and in God and just being alone with Him and yeah. realizing that, that that's the thing that nobody can take, you know, Mm -hmm. when I'm 90 years old and, you know, drooling and can't, you know, Mm -hmm. form sentences anymore. And, and I, I have no value here. You know, the value will be in the home that's coming in Jesus and how much more freeing to set that as my identity and my home right now and my peace. And it's happened. I, I feel that steadiness in my soul has grown and, and, I, you know, hopefully it keeps growing. Yeah. There's definitely the days that I still um, want to prove myself, that I yeah. still want to measure up or, mm-hmm. or find my worth here in people's eyes. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, even when I have found it, it doesn't settle my soul. Yeah, well, I totally know exactly what you mean. I've just lately, um, even just with starting the podcast and um, we're working on a record right now and... Um, and we've kind of gone out on our own and we're sort of our own record label right now. And the biggest thing I've realized is um, there, I'm, I'm like, Jesus, show me the line where um, it's just hard work because it takes hard work to get something off the ground. And then where am I striving? You know, mm, that's and, and that's been like my prayer recently. Just show me and kind of give me that sort of that threshold signal of when I'm striving and I'm not trusting you for this. But also, um, there are some things that just take hard work. Yeah. And and that's, I know you have an amazing team around you and, and I've had to really rely on people that, you know, we have around us just to, to help because it's um, a lot of hard work. But what does it really look like for you, I guess? What does define rest I think what's that look like right now for you guys you and Zach and and now that this thing is um you're kind of it's established it's um it's going strong and um and kind of do y'all have sort of threshold signals for each other like okay we're in a place of striving or we're not resting or what is that like what's that been like just sort of the balance of it all now I notice myself moving from this place of striving and, and working and proving myself to, to numbing out and totally. thinking that that was rest. So mm-hmm. I'd be so tired That's and good. weary and, and wanting to kind of offload this burden of leadership and this burden of, um, the callings on my life and the pressure. And so what I do is, you know, but, but it all felt important and, and largely I was obeying God. It wasn't outside of the bounds of where he had called me to be. It just, I was doing it in my own strength. That was the problem. Yeah. And so I, or trying to, the, 
would have been silly. I, I really was. And I was just kind of running in place and right. <laughs> he was doing the work. Um, it was very unnecessarily tiring. Right. Um, and so what I found myself doing was kind of le- taking that, that weight and that backpack and like leaning it against a wall all the time. So mm. I wouldn't take it off because I thought, gosh, this is too important and urgent. You know, God's glory and kingdom has just all gotten so heavy. And, and so I would lean against a wall and just, you know, watch Netflix. (laughs) I would, I would watch, you know, all seven seasons of the West Wing and (laughs) and it was impressive. Like I could, I was good at watching Netflix. And so I would be, and I, and I thought that was rest. And I thought to myself, you know, this is me recovering. I mean, I do so much and, and I'm so busy and there's so many kids that need me and work that needs me. And I'm just, I'm just going to take two days off and, you know, veg out. Well, of course, after two days off, did anything about my soul feel rested? Right. No. No. <laughs> no. If anything, it felt less rested. I, I noticed I was, I, I, I forgot how to rest. I forgot how to find rest. God had become work to me because writing and, and speaking and preparing all the time with my Bible that Jesus had somehow become work. So when I was resting, I was taking a break from God and the things of God. Right. And and I didn't know how to break that cycle. I didn't know how to really shift everything and actually pursue real rest. And mm. so honestly, that's what the last few years have been for me is largely finding what does it mean for me to rest mm. and, and for all of us to rest. Mm. And how, does Jesus, how did Jesus rest? And what did it look like to, um, to be with him again and mm. enjoy him again? And and I have found that. I mean, it's been a huge journey and process, and I still have to choose him every day. I can't um, tell you how easily I, I go back to old patterns. You know, it's just yeah. easy to do that. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a bit of refreshment, enough to go back to it. You know, you wouldn't keep going back to it unless there was something in it that felt immediately mm. like rest. Um, but it's really... It's not. It's not filling my soul. Mm. And so the things that fill my soul, back to the small things, it's, it's honestly rest for me has become serving in nursery. If you would have told me that, I, I would have laughed at you because I couldn't do <laughs> one more thing. And, and there was that feeling when you, mm. but I realized, no, like serving where nobody sees is actually really filling for my soul. And, mm. and being um, a mom that is present is actually really fun. Mm-hmm. I've noticed I love grabbing a kid and going to run errands. I mean, yeah, that sounds so silly and certainly not like rest, but that feels restful to me. And yeah. to just be with mm-hmm. one of my kids and, you know, go to Costco. That yeah. just, that feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my, my definition of rest has changed. And largely that's come as I've quit striving and yeah. started to enjoy my life rather than try to force it to be something mm-hmm. that I think it should be. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I don't remember who said it, but I heard one time um, that responsibility responsibility is us responding to God's ability. Mm-hmm. Like, and I heard that, you know, just there's, the, there's sort of a thought like we have a responsibility to what we do with um, and how we steward. Um, one option is numbing, and I think um, we're all guilty of that, especially women. I mean, hello, Hallmark Channel. Yes. But, 
there's effective numbing devices out there for us. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with Hallmark. I'm, but, <laughs> but there is that tendency. I mean, that's one option for sure. Um, but we had like this responsibility, I think, with longing and um, dreams and things and plans and God, what God's put in us. And um, But I love that thought of responding to His ability. And the, our responsibility in all is really to just respond to Him. And, and, and I think that's like reflection every day. That's just, that's even if it's just um, meditating on one scripture yeah. a day, or it's really almost, um, my brother Eric always says, like, lead yourself well. Yes. to that place of um, rest and and however you need to be replenished and your mind needs to be renewed um, you know those things like you we each kind of have that threshold or that thing that we know um, if I don't do that I'm gonna drift or I'm gonna have the backpack again against the wall and I'm gonna start numbing you know so mm-hmm. it's um, it's so important I think to know our own, mechanisms and our um that weakness and to have that community around us that um will kind of help us recognize when we're even doing that you know and um it's so huge but I would love for you um just kind of as we come to a close but I'd love for you to just take me back um before if started um maybe when just that first kind of spark of desire and I know your heart is to equip, and that is like, um, when you say that's just like mm-hmm. hands down like the, mm-hmm. um, we've got to equip the next generation yeah. of women. And um, take me back to kind of just some moments maybe that you remember that stand out to you that were like, okay, I'm a mom, I'm, you know, we're in a local church, and um, we're already, we already have a super busy full life. <laughs> um what was that like, you know, just those first um, longings and desires and those things where you're like, okay, I think, I think God is sparking something in me and this seems impossible. And um, there had to have been some waiting mm-hmm. involved. Um, maybe just talk about what that was like. And then sort of those first few moments of really like, oh my goodness, I think we're doing this. You mm-hmm. know, um, do you remember like some of those like, pillars or I do I actually the one that comes to mind was a huge day it was I actually was so blessed to get to spend some time with Beth Moore and mm-hmm. I had pursued it because I knew we were about to launch something for women in America and I thought you know if there's a mother of yeah. <laughs> our faith as women in America it's her and and so um, I was blessed to get to have lunch there and and just you know, it's so beautiful. I mean, she's just so full of faith. She yeah. so believes God for mm. for our generation, for mm. the people alive on earth. She just, she has such um, solid trust that God is in control and moving. And, and, and so at the end, you know, she, she put me on my knees and, and she had her hands on me and was praying over me. And I remember thinking, I wish I could record this prayer. It was so powerful, (laughs) um, what she prayed for if and what she prayed for me. And at that point, I still was, when I say I was open-handed, it wasn't, it wasn't a joke. Like I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to, I kept trying to do it with other organizations. I, I had a vision, but I didn't want to execute it. I didn't want to actually have to be accountable to this long term. You know, I just, I knew something needed to happen. I, I saw the doors opening for me to 
to lead it, but I, I had my heels in, in the ground and I was saying, no, God, no, I, I don't, I liked my life. I liked my simple, small life. It was working. And, and so that day, um, when she prayed that prayer, I remember she kept saying something about a seed. I see a seed, I see a seed. And it was doing all these things. And I go out, I have, um, you know, texts from, from friends. And one of them was one of my best friends, Sarah Henry. And she said, you need to call me right now. And she knew specifically where I was. So I thought, oh no, someone's died. You know, my kids are dead. Cause she's, she knows I'm with Beth Moore, you know? And, and so I walk out and I'm, th- I call her immediately. And, and she said, Jenny, I, I can't believe this just happened, but I was getting a massage and I just had this vision. And I know this sounds crazy because she's not a super, I mean, I love Sarah, but she wasn't at that point in her life, like a really super charismatic spiritual person. But she just said, and I saw God picking you up and digging a hole and putting you under the ground like you were a seed. Mm. And it was the same time, Beth, you know, so I'm sitting there going, okay, you know, this, (laughs) this is, I, I said, and I didn't tell anybody at the time. I just said, Sarah, I have to go. And I got off the phone and I just, cried. I remember I pulled over in Houston Mm. to the side of the road and I said, God, I don't want to do this. Mm. I don't want to do this. I'm scared. I'm not up for this, but I will do it. But I need you to stay with me. Like it almost just, it was, it was the moment where I couldn't deny he was saying to step forward. The next week we filed for the nonprofit status. Wow. And we hired our first person that next week. I mean, I just finally did it. You know, I'd been talking about it and feeling like I was supposed to do it. And I just finally did it. And, and I was so reluctant. And I bet it was three weeks later that Sarah had a massive stroke mm-hmm. and couldn't speak anymore um, and still can't speak in the same way. And um, it just has a few words. And that girl, when she woke up from her, you know, unconscious state, which was long, it was like a month, she would hit me, like just grab my arm and hit me until I brought up the subject she wanted. And every time it was if, and she wanted to hear that I was being obedient. And Mm. I just think, you know, I can't make sense of all that story. Like, Mm. I don't know how, what all that means. I don't know that I'm a big believer in like, you know, crazy dreams or visions. And I don't know that, you know, I don't know what I believe, but I know that, I know that God was doing something beyond me and what I understood. And I don't know how to make sense of the suffering my sweet friend has gone through and, and what it means now, but I know her faith Mm. has given me, it certainly has grounded me. I mean, when I'm sitting there helping my friend learn to walk again, Mm. I could care less that if is blowing up and reaching all these people. There's no ego in that. You're sitting there just praying every day that that God, you know, brings her words back so Mm. she can mother her kids. You know, you just, I think that something about the last three years has been this crazy conundrum of of pain and darkness and miracles and acts, Mm. things that you couldn't have dreamed could happen. And the mix of it all has just made my belief in God such that I, I don't know what other life there is. It's like there's, yeah. there's this call to live in faith or we live for this world. Yeah. And 
there feels like two options, you know, it's like Romans yeah. eight, there's yeah. just two, there's not a hundred, there's yeah. two. And, and I found that there is great, um, there is great peace in following God, even if it is into terrible storms. Mm. Mm. I have felt it. I have felt my soul be more steady in the midst of turbulent good and turbulent bad in the last yeah. few years. And, mm. and how do you explain that apart from him being mm. real and good? Yeah. That's amazing. I have a friend, her name is Julie Clark, and she, one of the things that the Lord had told her as he called her into kind of a new season, he said, I'm going to teach you to rest Mm. in the bottom of the boat, Mm. thinking of when the storm was raging and, but Jesus is sleeping and (laughs) he's at rest. He's so good at that. Yeah. Teach you to rest at the bottom of the boat. I love that. Um, well, thank you, thank you, thank mm. you so much for just your life and for calling me that day out of obedience. <laughs> I love, I love it. And those are the little miracles, like I the know. fact that we're friends, the fact that mm-hmm. you called me back or whatever, <laughs> however you, you know, you made that happen and, and all the fruit that God has brought through your life being part of if and part of my life. I'm just so grateful. Well, me too. Thank you. I appreciate you taking time at the table today, and I love you. I love you. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Jenny, and I hope you will pray for Jenny and Zach and their children. It's no small thing what Jenny's leading. God is using If Gathering in big and small ways in such a powerful way, not just at their yearly conferences, but week to week. Even when I was there interviewing Jenny, she was getting texts from friends who've been a part of If Gathering Closely who were literally on the front lines. These are people on the ground in parts of the world that are extremely dangerous, and they're involved in getting aid and spreading the gospel in the darkest corners of the earth. And I remember even sitting there, and she had just gotten word from the International Justice Mission that some of their team members associated with their operations in Kenya had been abducted after a trial and tragically We heard several days later that they were murdered. Precious people, hard at work, helping to free people from modern slavery of all kinds. Jenny and her team not only work so hard to equip this generation of women, but they also work hard at bringing things like this to our attention, addressing things that we're up against as a church across the world. And it makes us mamas at home, hard at work with the things in front of us, suddenly feel connected to each other and to kingdom things that we want at the top of our prayer list that day. So it's a beautiful work that Jenny and her team are doing, and we need to pray for them. Pray that God would keep them trusting in Him for every detail of this amazing movement of women, and that they would just be deeply encouraged, and that God would give them strength and endurance in all that they're doing. You can find a link to all things Jenny Allen on my site, christineknuckles.com. Jenny has several incredible and life-changing books and resources that you definitely want to get a hold of. And on my site as well, you can learn more about that new music campaign that I was telling you about earlier, christineknuckles.com forward slash Christmas. I pray that today's podcast has encouraged you deeply right where you are. We love you guys and just are so thankful that God has connected us together through amazing technology. Have a wonderful, glorious rest of your day, and I'll talk to you soon.